You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Chris Claremont speaking to you from the offices of Nightwing Restorations, suggesting that you take a good listen to Epic Marvel Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Curtis Findlay, and I'm bringing to you today an interview with Chris Claremont. When I was putting together my Iron Fist episode, I definitely wanted to make sure that I talked to Chris because he was one of the people who who really defined um, Iron Fist in his early years. We had a few technical issues, so this interview isn't as long as I wanted it to be, mainly because we chewed up a lot of our time trying to figure out Skype problems. So, yeah, you know, technology. What can you do? But we did have a good conversation, and all you Patreon supporters now have an opportunity to hear the entire thing, not just the clips that I put in the Iron Fist episode. I'll be releasing this episode to the general public a little bit later, but this exclusive one for you now, Patreon supporters, is our way of saying thank you for supporting our podcast. We can't do any of the podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network without your help. If you are part of the general public and you're listening to this interview now, I encourage you to head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and be a supporter. Help us out. Get access to a ton of cool interviews and a a whole lot more. Yeah, we'd really like you to join what I want to call the Epic Marvel Marching Society. So without further ado, here's my interview with Chris Claremont, recorded on March 27th, 2017. My first question for you is just basically how did you get involved with Iron Fist? This is pretty early in your career, correct? Yeah. I think it was basically like any other circumstance at Marvel, being in the right place at the right time. Um, Iron Fist, over its seven, I think seven or eight issues in Marvel... Marvel Premiere. Marvel Premiere had gone through a fairly eclectic catalog of, of writers from, I think, Roy Thomas to Larry Hama to... Tony uh, Isabella was one of them. Isabella yep. was, I think, preceded me. Nobody really lasted that long. It ended up getting tossed to my hands. They were, you know, they were trying, I think, to figure out if it had weight enough to go to its own series the spin-off out of the initial Marvel premiere and into Iron Fist. And then um, I just, again, happened to be in the right place at the, the right time. I think uh, there were two issues can't even, in, in Marvel premiere. Can't even remember who drew them. And then John and I took over with Iron Fist 1. Well, John and I teamed up as of Iron Fist 1, I should say. John Byrne and I. Was the decision made to spin off into its own series made before you got there, or once you got there? Oh yeah, no. I mean, it, we it was they were it was a matter of checking the the run on. I mean, both 
Marvel 2 and 1, Marvel Premiere, Mar all those Marvel prefix titles were usually viewed as places where you give give a concept a trial run. If it went for you, you, you either gave a creative team a try on it, you gave a, a character a try on it, and if things worked, if they got good audience response, you went for it. The reason something like Iron Fist, I think, would last seven or eight issues in in the Marvel headline title was in those days to wait for us to get some solid sales figures because we didn't you were things weren't pre-ordered then it was a matter of how well they sold when we got out there okay at the same time I did I'd done a six-parter for Deadly Hands of Kung Fu um, an Iron Fist solo with um, Rico Rival I'm not even sure who uh, so I was actually building up a fairly extensive catalog of Iron Fist stories. It, it just wasn't mainstream color. Right. So um, when you got to Iron Fist number one, did you want to continue with what uh, what had come before with all of the different eclectic group of artists or uh, writers? Or did you kind of have something in mind, a direction well, that you wanted to take? The fundamental basis of the concept had been established and to a certain extent dealt with in the earlier issues, his return to to the city, his dealing with Rand Meacham. Right. So by the time he went on he was off on his own, we had pretty much we by we I mean Marvel had pretty much resolved the Uber conflict that started it and ready to to define his life in and of himself as opposed to new kid on the block and essentially it was taking the characters that Larry had introduced and, and Tony and and building out from that in in this instance we had Danny we had Misty Knight we had Colleen Wing and um, everything after that was was virgin territory so it was building building it from a pitch to a an ongoing, hopefully long-lasting t uh, TV, f uh, comic series. Do you recall what the origins of Iron Fist, like how the who came up? I know Roy Thomas sort of came up with the character, but do you remember like why he came up with it or what it was in his inspiration? Well, I think we were all jumping on the the kung fu bandwagon at the time. Marvel was doing uh, Deadly Hands, but that was. Shang-Chi derived from Fu Manchu, I think the editorial philosophy was it's all very well having a, a derivative Kung Fu series that was extremely successful, but Marvel had to pay a licensing fee to the Saxe-Romer estate. Uh, so let's get, why not introduce a character that was uniquely and wholeheartedly Marvel? into the mix and that was I think Danny. The differentiation in terms of societal attitudes I suppose was that Danny was presented in a way as a the as a fish out of water in Kunlun, a a sort of 
I suppose if you looked at, at Asia as first world, Europe would be second world. Uh, he'd be a, a European Anglo stranger in a strange land in Kunlun. Right. But because of his growth and acculturation into the philosophy of Kunlun and of, of the society there, when he returns to New York, he's equally at odds because the world he is returning to is nothing like the world he's inhabited for most of his life at that point. Right. So he's, he's a fish out of water no matter how you look at it. Yeah, in both directions, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in that sense, Shang-Chi, for example, is much more acculturated into the world as it exists. Danny is just totally clueless, which ultimately was what made Power Man Iron Fist such a great team-up, because you, you couldn't have a more fundamental yin-yang philosophy as, as Danny Rand and Luke Cage. How did the pairing of those two come about? Neither book was successful. They were okay, but they weren't building huge audiences. And Archie Goodwin figured the one sure thing is that neither Iron Fist's audience would not read necessarily be Luke Cage's audience and vice versa. So they're good characters. Let's see what happens when you throw them together. And as he said quite brilliantly, when you have Luke Cage... Danny Rand, Misty Knight, and Colleen Wing. You can get a you can get issues of a con- of conflict just out of the four of them walking in in the morning and trying to have coffee around the breakfast table. Right. You don't need villains. You don't need antagonists. You got them right there, uh, and it's true. The challenge that John Byrne and I faced on Iron Fist was a building his character and his relationships but at the same time being superheroes the the protagonist is defined by his antagonist the ff are defined primarily by doctor doom thor is defined by loki captain america by the mandarin in those days uh the x-men by magneto so we needed equivalence in terms of iron fist who could we come up with that were really cool and visually impressive and out-and-out out scary? And it basically stayed a work in progress for the 15 issues that we had the series. Yeah, so you created a number of characters to kind of create this rogues gallery. Um, are there any ones that stand out as your favorite? Actually, my favorite were more the, the heroes than the villains. There was never really for me, an Iron Fist villain that, that grabbed your heart as effectively as a Doctor Doom might in the FF. Right. The things, again, tended to grow out of character. One of the villains I liked, or the antagonists I liked, though he was actually more of a protagonist in a way, was Danny coming to the aid of an, a refugee IRA member of the IRA who decided to leave the arm, the IRA and go, he, he had enough. This is in the heart of the troubles back, back then. And it led to a rather eloquently presented breakup of the relationship between Danny and Misty. 
And by eloquent, I mean the way John handled it visually in the story was wonderful. Can you tell me a little bit about working with uh, John Byrne? This was fairly early in his career as well, right? It was early in both our careers, actually. It was our, this was our first mutual big shot at, at the, uh, I guess, the, the glass ring. And ultimately, it culminated in his stepping over to the X-Men. But it was wonderful because with John, you had a talent who was so prodigious and a concentration, a, worth e a work ethic that was so, I don't know, relentless that you could watch him, you, one could literally watch him improve from issue to issue, sometimes even from the beginning of the issue to the end of the issue. If you look at Iron Fist 1, the fight with Iron Man, and then cut ahead to 14, the introduction of Sabretooth, his sense of how to stage scenes, of how to present characters, of how to, to execute action, it's just, it was great. And you were working, this was the Marvel style, right? Where you'd hand him the, the plots? At the end, yes. I mean, with John, as with Dave Cockrum, for example, why, why waste the time describing in script when you are partnered with such a superb visual storyteller? Right. Especially in the case of someone like John, who is committed equally embracing of the characters and the action itself. Working with him of necessity is a true collaboration simply because there are too many... He can bring my ideas to life and his ideas will help shape my concept of the characters. So it's a win-win situation on, on both sides of the, of the creative uh, equation. Mm -hmm. Just before Iron Man moved over to Power Man, uh, or sorry, Iron Man. So, sorry, just before Iron Fist moved over to the the Power Man title, um, you wrapped up a couple of like his storyline in Marvel Team Up. Mm -hmm. um, why was that necessary to to use Marvel Team Up there? Why couldn't that be in in his own series or or wrapped up in the Power Man series? Well, we couldn't do it in his own series because his own series was canceled. I didn't want to do it in Power, Power Fist because we wanted to start the team-up of Power Man and Iron Fist as a completely self-contained, creative event. You don't, you don't, if you start the book by saying, hey, this, in issue one, we team up Danny and Luke. In issue two, we pick up old Iron Fist loose ends. Right, right. <laughs> and again, we were trying to promote what passed in those days as an event. So we had this subplot with Misty going out and dealing with where she has, where the DEA, where the feds have got her undercover, literally, with with a villain basically wanted to bring that to an end. And at the same time, we had brought a new Iron Fist villain into this scheme of things um, who wanted the Iron Fist from Danny. And um, Team Up seemed a very uh, an altogether logical place to bring it all to a resolution. Mm -hmm. And it would also introduce 
all these what we hoped were really cool characters to a broader audience. And the fact that John was penciling both books didn't hurt either. Right. So he, you and John both took over Power Man and Iron Fist from whoever was doing it before you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no one was doing it before us. We, Luke Cage had its own team, but that went away. And we kind of absorbed Luke into the Iron Fist omniverse. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, and some of those characters that started in Iron Fist have become sort of mainstay characters for Power Man over the years, too. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the, the one thing we hadn't really anticipated was that directly after we took over Power Fist, John got tapped for X-Men. And at the same time, the decision was we wanted Iron, we wanted X-Men to go monthly, which meant John had to do double duty for the first six months just to get, A, everything on, on schedule as a bi-monthly and build up a backlog of, of stories so that we wouldn't immediately be behind the eight ball in terms of a monthly title. Right, wow. So I had to sit down and suddenly write or conceptualize the first six to eight months of X-Men immediately. And we just, something had to give, and unfortunately Power Fist was it. And that's, so that's the reason why you stepped out as well? Well, yeah. I mean, without John, it really wasn't as much fun, and I didn't want to go back to rotating artists. Right. Yeah, that's uh, tough. Which is very much the case. And quite frankly, X-Men was, for one of any more appropriate phrase, it was my guy, were my guys, it was my baby. Mm-hmm. I, I did not want to screw it over for Danny. Much as I loved working on Iron Fist, I had built, Dave Cockrum and I had built X-Men to it, where it was, and I, wanted, I didn't want to let it, any of it slip away. So something had to give. As Iron Fist was approaching its last few issues before its cancellation, we saw a number of uh, guest stars, um, like Captain America, X-Men mm-hmm. were the final issue. Was that an attempt to try and boost some sales? It was partly guest stars will help the, the um, overall sense of the comic, of the, of the series, but also half the fun of drawing and writing is figuring out who we can play with. Danny had already fought Iron Man in the first issue. Captain America was a logical extension. And quite frankly, John does a kick-ass Captain America. Right, yeah. You know, going up to Canada, that was technically Iron Fist is where Sabretooth made his first entrance. Yeah. Along with Jaron Hogarth and his his crackerjack team of uh, femme fatale gorgeous... (laughs) Glamazons. <laughs> yeah. Every lawyer's wish fulfillment. That's right. That's, yeah, that was a good a good team. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, building up to the conclusion, which was the X-Men, it was to see if John could do it. You know, oh, okay. The, that was, no, that was, that. it was done intentionally because we knew we would have to make a change to, to take the X-Men monthly. And um, 
we had to see if he could do it. And obviously, he did. Yeah, for sure. With Sabretooth, when you created him, after Iron Fist ended, um, were you? did you think to yourself, I, I just love that character, I'm going to use him oh, in x Yeah, but I, that, Sabretooth wasn't the only... I mean, technically, Sabretooth started there, but, but both... I mean, uh, Mystique started in Ms. Marvel as a villain there. Rogue started in Avengers Annual 10. The irony is a number of of the most notorious X-Men characters actually began their career in Avengers-era book, Avengers-oriented books. So technically you could argue that, that Mystique, Rogue, Sabretooth could all come over to, uh, could have as much, how shall we say, justified relevance on the Disney side of the street as the Fox side of the street. Right, right. So I guess, I guess Jennifer... Um, Jennifer mm, Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, when she said she would love to do a Mystique for, for Disney if, they could, if she could team up with, what's-his-face, Peter Quill. Is that one Chris, of the Chris's? Chris Pratt, yeah. Chris Pratt. I guess that was the, the uh, you know, technically you could, from the punk side of the equation, there's, there, you could suggest a rationale. Right. She's not exclusively an X-Men character, so you could. Yeah. Well, yeah, and there's, yeah, there's so many, the Marvel Universe is so interchangeable that way, especially with the rotating cast of the Avengers. Yeah, on the other hand, the X-Men universe has got a significantly substantial catalog of A-plus list characters. That's very true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Have you seen any of the new Iron Fist TV show or, or no. the old Power Man? Not yet. Uh, Netflix and I are... It's as challenging finding Netflix as it is finding Skype. <laughs> Great, or yeah. Finding it is easy. Getting it to work is a t- whole different equation. Right. Um, and quite frankly, I don't have the time to binge sit for seven hours. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I feel I'm lucky enough to be able to sit down for a couple of hours and watch um, Elementary or or uh, Trevor Noah. So, what keeps you busy these days? Same thing kept me busy for the last forty years: writing. What are your current projects? Writing a bunch of novels. Uh, is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners? Not until they're finished. Okay. <laughs> Can't give away any secrets. It's easier to talk about future happenings when, when you're dealing with 20 pages popping out every three to six weeks, depending on the production schedule. Right. Right. It's not to say I'm superstitious, just to say I am cautious from experience that I, I, rare, I don't talk about works in progress. Fair enough. Because if they're in progress, I can always stop, and that's I, 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 in my in my line of work. Stopping in the middle of a project is not what you want to do. You want to finish it, and then move on. Right. Okay. Well, um, I know we got off to a late start, and I don't want to keep you all day. So I'm I want to thank you, Chris, for talking with us today. It's been a really really good and interesting conversation, getting some behind the scenes of Iron Fist. Oh, my pleasure. 